0: Many Americans think of Mexico as our neighbor to the south. But there are places in Mexico where persecution of Christians is very real. Missionaries Mike and Rose experienced opposition firsthand.
1: It didn't take very long, about six months before the opposition uh, called us to the table with with all of the village elders and the, uh, the local authorities and said, what are you doing in our village?
0: Village leaders wanted them out of the village.
2: And there were hundreds of people that came and completely surrounded our home.
0: Expelled from their home, Mike and Rose were left with many questions. God,
1: why did you allow this to happen? Where was your hand when we needed you?
0: We'll hear their story and how God has grown his church in the village in spite of persecution right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to be talking this week about uh, our neighbor to the south, uh, the nation of Mexico. Uh, Perhaps you think of Mexico as a place to take a beautiful vacation. Uh, It is also a place where Christians face persecution. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Our guests uh, are, we're going to call them Mike and Rose. And and they are uh, a married couple working in central Mexico Uh, helping to plant churches, helping to strengthen the believers there. Mike and Rose, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We feel welcome.
0: You know, when we talk about Mexico, uh, like I mentioned, most of us don't think persecution. But in the area where you're working, there's very real, very legitimate Christian persecution. Talk a little bit about what the believers there are facing.
1: Well, um, you, you know, you have areas uh, in Mexico. Uh, that are open to the gospel. And then you have uh, the areas where you uh, branch off the main highway and get up into the mountains, and uh, you get into the bushes, so to speak. And uh, among the ethnic people groups, uh, there is great resistance to the gospel, uh, where where the truth of God's Word has never penetrated. Um, and so therein lies the persecution.
0: In, say, one of those villages up in the mountains, Jose becomes a Christian. What's he likely to face? What does that persecution look like in his situation?
1: It may represent uh, being uh, ostracized by his family and rejected to the point of "You are no longer our son," the parents may say. Um, You know, uh, it may uh, represent a a, a, not only verbal abuse but physical abuse and a beating uh, and run out of town. Uh, You know, you have to be very, very careful and very undercover as a missionary to help this young believer grow up and to get good doctrine and get good, sound living for Christ under his buckle uh, long enough for him to be able to grasp what it is to be a Christian.
2: If it's a young person, uh, they won't be allowed to have a Christian wedding, They um, may, of of any age, they may cut off their electricity. They may be forbidden to be buried in the village cemetery. Um, They're just anything that we take for granted. uh, They will make that very difficult for them to the point of if it's someone who labors and has a, a... most of them don't work for like we're used to in in the States working for a company. And if they are carpenters or, or whatever that people will refuse to go to them for, so it will affect them economically. So it's, yeah. it's huge.
0: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of pressure being brought to bear to get them to back up, renounce that faith, come back to, to our system, come back and be like us. I can't imagine that, uh, that, in that village situation they were very happy to see two american christians come how how did you guys get there how did how did you end up in in one of these villages where persecution happens
1: we had, had had completed a numbers 13 study of the people uh, an ethnographic study of this people group um, very much as Moses sent the spies out um, to um, investigate uh, this new land. What are the people like, um, who they are, and how can they be reached? The Lord brought us to this this people group high up in the Sierra Madre Mountains in remote villages, and um, we were warned that that they were violent. And they did not want to hear the gospel. And so we began to seek God as to a strategy on how to reach them. And
0: Let me interrupt you for a second, because I want to ask, there's people telling you this is a bad idea, <laughs> and you feel like God is telling you, yep, those are the folks I want you to go to. How did you work through that to the point of saying, all these people that, that care about us and they're, they're trying to give us the best advice they can— and yet we need to do what God's telling us to do. How did, how did that process work?
2: We would pray. We would talk among ourselves. We would go back to the village again, um, and we just always came to the same conclusion. We would pray separately, and together we would talk. No, this is the village God is telling us to go to.
0: Even though it's dangerous, and even though all the people are warning you, this is not a good plan.
1: (laughs) We would ask, what um, what have you done so far? What has been effective? And it was just amazing uh, for us as new missionaries to hear some of the strategies that they had used and had been uh, and beaten, and had their cars uh, burned, and literally. Carried to the uh, the village border and kicked out manually. Wow, uh, very violent people. Um, you know, uh, you know. Well, well, we found out that they would go to the plaza and preach the gospel openly, and um, it didn't take us. Uh, very long to realize that strategy isn't working. God, can you help us with a strategy? And that that's how he led us to Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. Um, they, the people need to see it. Um, they need to see it in such a way that God can be glorified. And uh, through those good works, Um, we were able to touch their lives and meet their felt needs and begin to um, establish a a relationship of trust and lay a foundation of love and good works that allowed the gospel to naturally flow. There was a price that had to be paid. Um, You know, it took us four years, four years before you can mention the name of Jesus, laying a careful foundation. God, let us... Let us hear your voice and know when is when.
2: You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.
0: How did you come to that point of saying, okay, now's the time?
2: My
1: testimony parallels very much the prodigal son. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh my parents were were missionaries in South America. Uh, at a very early age I realized that uh this was this was what I wanted to do with my life. That God was calling me to be a missionary to follow in the the footsteps of my parents. Through some tragic events I I fell uh away from the Lord and and uh, was ultimately imprisoned and uh, it was there that uh, God renewed my call and uh, ultimately uh, took me to the mission field. It's like everything that God has allowed in my life um, had prepared me for this unique people group. Um, We were astounded when we got to the place where we did uh, with with this people group. Why aren't there any other missionaries working out here and doing this, and, um, you know, that God would entrust a guy like me, you know, and my wife, and how he miraculously brought us together and prepared us for this, and, you know, uh, to to reach uh, an entire people group for his glory. And um, so I say that to say that one night he woke me up uh, and said the very first step that you're going to make to let this people group know that you're a god man that you're people of god you're to share your testimony and um, i argued with god that night (laughs) Uh, because i knew this people group uh they were the very last ones to fall under the conquering hand of hernan cortez and the spaniards to understand their history uh, helps you understand that uh, you know wh- why, why, where they are, and how they got to be this way, uh, with the gospel of Christ. And God is now waking you up and saying, "Share your testimony." <laughs> I had asked one of the men to bring in a huge gate, a metal gate, um, that was actually in use, but I had them take it apart and bring it to this event so that I could illustrate what it meant to be behind bars. And then then I began to tell the story of the prodigal son. And I didn't say uh, in in the book of of Luke, in such and such a chapter, uh, uh, Jesus gave this parable. I just simply told the story. There was a man with two sons. They were uh, in rapt attention, and uh, you could hear a needle fall in that place. And uh, I finally got to the end of my story, and I said, you know what, that prodigal son was me. And then I asked to have the, the bars moved over, and then I began to share how uh, one time I was behind prison bars, and that uh, God forgave me. The story goes that the, the, the boy came to his senses, and he asked first to, for God to forgive him, and then he asked his earthly father to forgive him. And he got himself up out of that pig pen and he walked home and there his father was. And you know what? Our heavenly father forgives us and our earthly father will forgive us. And a lot of us here today are in prisons. You may not be behind bars like I was, but your prison is of another form. And uh, some of our, our favorite students uh, were in tears and um, they came to say, Mike, that was my life. Uh, you know, uh, that that was me. Uh, Wow. And I said, let's talk some more about this later. (laughs) And it it wasn't an altar call. It wasn't how many would like to receive Jesus today. It was the first little baby step that we let them know that we believed in God and God forgave.
0: What other kinds of volunteers do you need or what other kind of teams do you have come down and, and help with the work that you're doing?
1: Well, we um, we use very effectively medical missions. That's perhaps our bread and butter. Uh, you you help someone get well, and that family loves you for yeah. that. <laughs> in fact, uh, in our uh, in our target village, uh, it it didn't take very long—about six months—before the opposition uh, called us to the table with uh, with all of the village elders and, um, and the, uh, the local authorities and said, what are you doing in our village? And um, we would say, well, uh, we're here to love your people. Um, we're here to serve them. We helped your daughter get well last week. Uh, you, sir, were standing in line receiving free medication and, uh, and on and on, okay. Uh, but we don't want another religion. And just keep that in mind. okay? And so this went on month after
0: month. How has that affected your work or or how far did that pressure go?
2: It was kind of a roller coaster while we were there, um, trying to be careful and and have a discerning spirit. And um, it was close to the two-year mark that they came into our English classes and took us out of our English classes. By force. By force. And uh, confronted us directly. And at that point when they um, took us in, uh, it was much more stern at that point because they had discovered that we had an active Bible study, an active, we didn't call it a church, but they had discovered that there was an active movement going on. And uh, we were they were happy. not
0: happy. <laughs> no, That's when right.
1: We were very undercover. We were moving from house to house. We would not worship audibly, uh, you know, to draw uh, unwanted attention to the to the Bible study. And uh, we did our best to to keep it underground. Uh, but it's it's hard to keep twenty five to thirty believers quiet in a village of about seven to uh, 10,000 people.
2: Well, and people who found. Uh, the the love of Jesus Christ right. in their lives. Uh, we all know that the most zealous evangel evangelistic uh, efforts are by new Christians, new believers. That's hey, right. I
0: found the bread, and you're hungry. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna share it with you. So they come in and grab you in an English class and say, "You're coming with us." What was going through your minds?
1: Well, uh, we knew that the uh, the time had come. Uh, it was inevitable. Um, you know we had been warned that this day would come and we were uh, we were prepared we just didn't know how it was going to come about and when they said enough's enough, you're out, we just didn't roll over the Lord gave us some some holy boldness and and we said, you know we've been invited to this village we have we have permission by the highest authority, the assembly vote to be able to come and be here, and that's the way we'll leave. What if the people find out that you have run us out of this village behind closed doors? They wanted to avoid a village-wide vote, uh, which is the highest authority, the, the assembly vote, uh, a quorum, if you will, of the people uh, on the village square. Because we were in such in- incredible favor of the people, they knew that we loved them unconditionally. It-, it took hours of wrangling and and the forcing of our hand to sign a document, and finally the agreement that that they would uh, they would allow the vote. But we had to sign a document saying that that if we lost the vote, we had to leave. And I, you know, I thought to myself, "Hey, uh, we'll never lose this vote in a hundred years. I'll sign whatever you want." So uh, we we did. We signed the document, and they said the votes in two weeks. And what they did was they bust hundreds of people into the village that, that didn't know us, and uh, they um, they marched them across the village plaza and they had a very fast vote before the villagers could arrive and pretty soon five hundred showed up and pretty soon a thousand and then there was way, way more people that were for us than than for them. But see the vote had already happened. And then things began to get violent. And they said, you know what, Mike and Rose, you guys need to get out of here. It's gonna go south from here. And that's how we left our beloved village and um you know in one one quick moment we were uh homeless uh w- without a ministry and uh, out in the streets and uh you know uh we were hurt we had just given up four years of our life two coming into the village and two living in the village And God, why did you allow this to happen? Where was your hand when we needed you? And uh, it it took days for us to realize that the great miracle that God did that day was um, that he opened the eyes of the villagers to see the love that we had for them and the meanness of the organized, established uh, system uh, and how... um, how they contrasted so much.
2: It was so obvious the way that the Christians behaved and the way that the opposition behaved. And we had many, many people that weren't Christians that were completely in our favor, but the behavior of those who were on our side was the great testimony that day. And another thing that happened um, is that we were given... Eight days to leave the village, which to me was not nearly enough time. But right. as we reflected on it and what could have happened that day is that we they respected us, even those who were opposed to us, respected us enough to give us time to pack up our as belongings. As opposed to
0: just marching you to the edge of the village mm-hmm. and saying, you're mm-hmm. out of here.
2: Yes. And so that uh, evening when we went to, to our home. And it wasn't too long afterwards, and we heard a great commotion. And uh, we looked up the lane, and there were hundreds of people coming down the lane. And our teenage son was sure they were coming to, (laughs) to beat us or something. But it was the people of the village who were in our favor. And there were hundreds of people that came and completely surrounded our home and stayed there to show us their support to try to figure out how they could turn this thing around and many of them stayed all night long to serve as a protection for us wow so in the middle of this great traumatic turn of events we had never felt so loved in our lives isn't that just like god uh,
0: yeah (laughs) yeah wow You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. So clearly there was a significant number of people in the village who wanted you to stay, who loved what you were doing. So what's the end of that story? Is Is that the end of the story right now? You're out of the village and you don't have permission to go back or what's What's happening right now?
1: Well, well, um, you know, we argued with God. You know, God, these these <laughs> this, this, this young uh, body of believers are not ready. You know, they've not even had the Lord's Supper yet. Uh, we just had our first baptism. God, they're not ready. And you know, that's always hard for a missionary to know. Uh, when is the time? You know, the missionary starts up high, and your man of peace, the man you're pouring and your life into and discipling, is is down here. And then over the years, uh, you you your role begins to diminish, and the disciple increases. And then uh, then he begins to take on a major role as the missionary steps down and works himself out of a job and turns it over to natu- national national leadership. And so we felt like it wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. but we,
0: we think of that as like a 30-year process, not eight yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> <That's us>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but what it did was the church stretched their wings out and flew magnificently because see now it wasn't undercover it was out in the open they could sing in their own dialect they could worship god uh, without fear and the group grew and and grew and we had to stay out for a year
2: after that demonstration on the plaza people began to come close to the believers because they wanted to know what made them so different
0: why are you guys different from us and that's wow. when the real growth so, of the church. So so up to that point, you had been trying to do this as an underground church, kind of secret meetings and moving from different houses, and and now all of a sudden we we can set that whole strategy aside. We're out in the open now. Exactly. And the church grew. Yes. Wow. So even like you say, even in that what we would consider a huge setback, God God was doing His thing.
2: Yes, He was. And we have, um, that's been five years ago, and God has continued to provide opportunities for us to go back into the village. The villagers would say, they can't keep you from coming to our house for a meal or to fellowship. Um, But then God even opened greater doors. There were a number of deaths in the village, and we just felt compelled to go and minister to the families. And they began to look at us. The, the, the pastor's wife would tell us that everyone's talking about this. Can you believe after what they did to us, they're back loving us when we're going through hurts? And so um, we we don't make a, a regular time. The, the people there still would love for us to move back. We won't ever move back. But we are able to be on a... Um, controlled about once a month part of their services and we continue to, to to mentor and pour into the life of the pastor and his family and we have others now that are working with us that can help share that role so that we're not always the faces they're seeing. And God has really done a marvelous work.
0: So what would you say to our listener who maybe has just experienced or is experiencing what they consider a huge setback uh, or or a door slamming in their face, how would you encourage them?
1: Never, ever give up. Um, Just hang on. Uh, In due season, you will reap uh, if you don't faint. God, in His perfect timing, uh, knows when is when. And, uh, you know, He will allow things in your life. He will allow circumstances to play out that you may not understand. You think that Things will go a certain way, and when they don't, you question and you ask God. You know, even Jesus, you know, asked his Father, please allow this cup to pass from me. Uh, you know, why have you forsaken me? That That is a very human feeling. If you just hang on, God will see you through. Keep your attitude right and your spirit sweet, and God will see you through, and you will see the miracle in the end,
2: we've learned from experience that often when you feel like you're completely in the dark and things are at their end, it's just that you've been replanted, and it's dark for a while, and then comes the glorious regrowth.
0: Then comes that new chapter. Yes, as we finish up today, we're speaking with Mike and Rose. They are missionaries in Central Mexico. Uh, how can we pray for the church? in Central Mexico?
2: I, I think the main thing is, is that for the believers to grow in their walk and be strong in the face of persecution, kind that the love of Jesus shows through, but that they be strong and firm. Um, our little pastor there, it just glows with the love of Jesus. I don't know that I've ever known anyone else who glows the (laughs) way he glows, and that's contagious. Uh Um, But he's faced some really, really tough things, as has his wife, and um, that they be strengthened as leaders. Oftentimes, they don't feel like they're equipped or adequate, and we do what we can to help them with that. But, you know, It's natural, and the natural humans will think, but I haven't had special training, but this, but that. And yet we know from our perspective, God handpicked them, and it wouldn't be what it is today without them in the leadership. And so I think as, as I'm just talking here, for the pastor and his wife to be encouraged and for the people to stay strong and for there to be a real breakthrough of freedom in that village.
0: Amen. Mike and Rose, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your hearts that uh, come through, even through the microphone. I can hear your hearts and the, the love that you have for the work that God's called you to and the people that he's called you to. Thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Thank you. Thank, thank you, my brother.
0: I hope Mike and Rose have been an encouragement to you this week. You know, while we were in the studio, they shared a story with me that we didn't have time to include in this week's episode. It's the story of a basketball team from Illinois that came down to Mexico to serve with them on a mission trip. Mike and Rose talked about how when this team called and said, hey, we want to come down and work alongside you guys, they just kind of looked at each other like, what are we even going to do with a basketball team? But once the team got there, God used them and opened some amazing doors for them uh, that nobody could have foreseen, and it just showed that God had a plan for them all along. If you'll visit our website, vomradio.net, we've got a link from this episode to let you listen to that story directly from Mike and Rose. I know it's going to be an encouragement to you. You can also listen to all the other episodes of VOM Radio at vomradio.net, including conversations about Iran China, Eritrea, and other nations, visit us online at vomradio.net. Thank you for being with us. Pray for persecuted Christians in Mexico and other nations, and come back to be with us next week, right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.